Welcome to Sports Cars, a podcast where Chicago sports broadcasting pioneer and a national legal expert get into the legal goings of sports. And now your hosts, Chet Kovic and Lester Munson. It is Sports Court time again. How are you doing, everybody? I'm Chet Kovic along with uh, the legal expert from ESPN, Mr. Lester Munson, as we uh, break down the smoke-filled rooms, the games people play. Ah, Lester, it's time to put on that cowboy hat that's uh, three feet high that pledges allegiance to Carmen Pignatello and Turk Wendell and Glenn <laughs> Hobby and all those, all those Cub greats. It's Cubs convention time. Uh, what kind of a price would you put on Theo Epstein actually having the courage to tell all those people who will flock down to the Hilton Towers that, yes, we are rebuilding? I'm not sure that he's going to use the word rebuilding. The Cubs uh, have always been interested in marketing ever since uh, the days of John McDonough, the brilliant marketing genius. And all the things that Epstein is doing, putting together all this surplus of pitchers, the inventory, um, it certainly looks a lot like rebuilding. The lineup on opening day is going to be a lineup that even the most serious Cub fans are not going to recognize. They're going to have to look at their program. Who is that guy at first base? What n- number? What and the? But I don't think they're going to say that. One reason they're not going to say that is the Sox have already said that, and we saw what happened there. So they're going to do what they can to spin this as an investment in the future. Do you think the uh, Cub fans will buy it? I mean, historically, they buy anything. Will they buy it this time around? I mean, obviously, there's uh, there's been a Cub fan that's evolved going back to uh, 2003 and the uh, the belly flop against uh, the Florida Marlins, anguish in uh, 07 and 08 playoffs, but no wins in the playoffs, uh, a miserable 91 loss campaign last year. Uh, granted, Zambrano gone, but Soriano is still part of the ball club. Will probably be their starting left fielder on opening day. Are fans going to buy it? I, I think fans, they're going to buy it up to a point. I think that m- most Cub fans, including me, were very positive and very optimistic about Ricketts and the way he is doing things. There is no question that he is bringing a different outlook to the leadership of the team. He spends time. He's very analytical. He seems to be brilliant, and he does things in a deliberate, analytical way. Epstein is exactly the same. Epstein may turn out to be the greatest hire in the history of the Chicago Cubs, although when you go back, you might have thought Andy McKenna was a great hire. He came here with two World Series rings, too. So, um, But I think Cub fans are going to stay with it. It's going to be a long season, and if they even approach 500, we will all mark it down as a triumphant season. Barry Larkin, career Cincinnati Red, Hall of Fame bound. Somehow I just don't equate the Hall of Fame and Barry Larkin. But that being said, uh, different issue. Mark McGuire, 19% of the vote. If you were a card-carrying member of the uh, Baseball Writers of America, under any circumstances, would you vote for McGuire? I would not. I, I, I think that those numbers of his, the, the statistics, are totally, permanently flawed. There's nothing anybody can do to change that. We know how he did what he did. If he had never gone on the juice, he would have put together a very nice career, but it never would have been a Hall of Fame career. So, no, I don't see him as a serious candidate for the Hall of Fame. And maybe a few years from now, people are not as disappointed and as angry 
as they are about the steroid era, but I, I don't see him actually ever getting in the Hall of Fame, and if I had a vote, I would never vote for him. All right. Um, we have not heard much out of Pete Rose over the past couple of years, except that he signs pictures at uh, Field of Dreams at Caesars Palace in uh, Las Vegas and then blows all his dough in the, uh, uh, in the sports book. Any chance that uh, the old-timers committee somewhere down the road might say, you know what, uh, uh, he has served his punishment in public. Let's give him a break, cut him some slack, and put, uh, put Rose in Cooperstown? I don't think it's going to happen. It's definitely not going to happen while Bud Selig is around. He, at some point, finally made the decision he wanted nothing to do with Pete Rose in the Hall of Fame. Uh, it is good for Pete Rose that he's able to sign autographs. He's got the perfect name for autographs, oh, does Pete he ever. Rose. If his name was Nomar Garcia Parra, <laughs> he would only be able to produce 10% of the inventory that he currently <laughs> produces. So he's got a very nice thing there, and he ought to be grateful for that. From uh, thinking like a lawyer, which I still am a fraction of a lawyer, his ban is a lifetime ban. The only time he gets in is when his life is over. So that would be my, at a certain point, if Pete Rose were to walk across the street in Las Vegas and get run over, then and only then maybe would somebody say, okay, let's vote for him. All right, let me play devil's advocate. How many ball players during the uh, 1970s, 1980s sold as many tickets as Pete Rose? Not uh, many. No, I, I think he, he was a, a great ball player to watch. Charlie Hustle running out the walks. He did so many things so well. He, he was just the kind of baseball player that you would pay to see. I, I have no doubt about that. Everywhere he went, he increased tickets. Cincinnati, Philadelphia, Montreal. He, 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 he was fun to watch, no doubt about it. And for those of us in the media business, as a manager, he was fantastic. You could spend three minutes oh, with yeah. him, and you got two columns. I mean, he, he, he had total knowledge of baseball. He was a master of media. He's got this compulsive gambling problem. If he could solve that, then, yes, I would be interested in maybe uh, finding some way to support him. But he hasn't, as you mentioned, he has not solved it. Nor will he ever. No. All right. The Chicago Bears, Mike Tice, offensive coordinator. Uh, You know he'll think run first. That's uh, the nature of the beast. In my opinion right now, Lester, even more vital than the hiring of an appropriate general manager by Ted Phillips and the Bears. They've got to get the right quarterbacks coach, a guy who's going to put Jay Cutler in a comfort zone. Cutler couldn't uh, audible the past two years with Mike Martz. They got along about as well as uh, uh, a parakeet and a boa constrictor, for heaven's sakes. I, I think it's I think it's vital and will set the tone for the franchise for the next three or four years based on who this club hires to be its quarterbacks coach. If they strike out... It could cripple this franchise. If the quarterback's coach is going to have total control of the passing game, yes, I agree with you. They they not only need somebody who can work with Cutler, who can put together a passing offense that will work, that is simple enough, they need at least one or two more wide receivers. So that should be the focus of everything they're doing. The the idea of hiring a general manager with the head coach already there, that's probably something they'll be able to finesse. Somebody will take the job. But I, I agree with you, Chet. There's no doubt that Cutler needs somebody he can work with. Somehow I got the impression this year that Cutler did does have a feel for what's going on on the field 
and he certainly could audible. I'm not sure he's ever going to be Peyton Manning out there, but he's close to it, and he should be able to figure out what he can do and then try to do it with some support from the coaching staff. Are the uh, locals at uh, Penn State University still doing everything in their power to avoid uh, cooperating with authorities as regards uh, uh, the, uh, the misery surrounding Jerry Sandusky? I think there's more to come uh, there. I think you're exactly right in what you suggest. The last two victims are a little bit scary because their stories are that they were molested in an office that the university claims it took away from Sandusky after they learned of his tendencies. Not only did they not take the office away, he was there, he was in the Lash building, which is the football headquarters, and in that office these last two uh, young men are claiming, and there's no reason to disbelieve them, that they were molested in the office the university said he did not have at that time. So this this is getting worse and worse. Paterno is now saying he would love to tell his story, but he cannot because of... Do you really risk, buy that? Not for a minute do I buy that. I, I think he and his son, the lawyer, understand that if he gets out there and tries to explain things, it'll make everything worse. So that being said... Based on what you're telling me about the university and its uh, uh, decision to make available its facilities to Jerry Sandusky, if I'm uh, the parents of a young child who was molested by Sandusky, why would I sue Sandusky who really hasn't got any dough? Why wouldn't I first go after the university? You go after the university and you go after the foundation and you name in the lawsuit, not Sandusky because he's, he's not going to have anything left. Uh, you sue the president, the athletic director, you sue the people at the Second Mile Foundation, and as these victims are lining up to file their cases, uh, they're all going to do that. The first one already has sued both the university and the Second Mile Foundation, and everybody else will follow that model. He is Lester Munson, the legal expert for ESPN. I'm Chet Kapik. This has been Sports Court, brought to you by my great friend John Coyne and the wonderful people at American Taxi. American Taxi. Chicago's primetime suburban taxi service, where it's all about reliability, comfort, fair price, and courtesy. Catch you next time around. So long, everybody.